Hello, I am Joshua P. Warren, and this is Joshua P. Warren Daily. And I want to share something with you that is a bit difficult to describe in a podcast. But I'm going to do my best here, aided by some images that I uploaded for you. Before I get into that, though, I hope everybody had a great weekend. Those of us here in the United States had a a holiday three-day weekend. It was called uh, Memorial Day weekend when we celebrate those who have served our country. So thank you for your service. It is not taken for granted. And during this past three-day weekend, uh, as you may realize from listening to my last podcast, I was out in the desert doing research, finding some interesting things I'll be telling you about soon. Um, while I was out there uh, in the midst of my, my journeys, I uh, picked up a cold. I don't know where I got that from. Maybe them damn sea monkeys. But uh, So if my voice sounds a little off, it's because I just got this cold, so uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have to knock this thing out. But anyway, when I got back from my trip, I had some packages waiting for me, and I love that. I kind of love to plan it out that way so that uh, I'll order something cool and know that it's supposed to be waiting for me when I come back from a trip. And that way, if I really am looking forward to getting it, it seems like it gets here faster than if I were sitting there kind of counting the days because I'm doing something. Anyway, so there was this device waiting for me. I'm going to tell you about this device, but before I do that... Let me start with saying that it is very easy for you to take something that you have been exposed to your whole life, something that you are familiar with, and become sort of desensitized to how amazing and magical it truly is. And one of the best examples of that would be magnets. Magnets are... I mean, they're, they're, they're mind-boggling things. Uh, you, you know, we're so familiar with them, we're like, oh, we'll just put this on my fridge so I have a note there that I need to pick up the kids at whatever time. You know, But magnets are absolutely magical things. I mean, you know, the idea that you can take two objects, two magnets, and you can hold them next to each other and all of a sudden this invisible force kicks in and snaps them together or you turn one around and now there's this invisible force that pushes them apart it's an amazing thing and scientists still mainstream scientists still do not understand exactly what magnetism is and uh and in fact you know if we understood what magnetism was then we probably would have something closer to a unified theory at this point, but you know, which we don't have, which shows you how fragmented our knowledge is. I'll get back to that a little bit later. But just for the sake of example, if you get online here and you look up the definition of a magnetic field, it says a magnetic field is a vector field that describes the magnetic influence of electric charges and relative motion and magnetized materials. Wow, that was informative, wasn't it? That's almost kind of like saying a dog is a creature with dog-like qualities, you know. And and really, it, it doesn't get much better from there on. 
Um, we do know that you know there must be something about the composition of of magnets and the way that molecules are sort of organized or some particles are organized inside them that make them work because you can take something like a an iron nail and you can try to pick up a paper clip with it and it, and it won't pick it up but then you can take a magnet and stroke that magnet on that iron nail in the same direction a few times and now all of a sudden the nail will pick up the paper clips it's like that you have aligned something polarize something inside that nail and that polarization is what now makes it magnetic but the very you know first awareness humans had of magnets was thousands of years ago with these naturally formed magnets that were called lodestones and so let's see what what is the definition of a lodestone a lodestone is a naturally magnetized piece of the mineral magnetite. They are naturally occurring magnets which can attract iron. The property of magnetism was first discovered in antiquity through lodestones. Pieces of lodestone suspended so they could turn were the first magnetic compasses. And their importance to early navigation is indicated by the name lodestone which in middle english load means leading or course so you're calling it the leading stone or the course stone so this is a, a direct reference to its ability to help you navigate and of course a, a natural piece of lodestone it just looks like a little black chunk of rock but it's magnetic but listen to this when it comes to the origin section for lodestone the process by which lodestone is created has long been an open question in geology only a small amount of the magnetite on earth is found magnetized as lodestone ordinary magnetite is attracted to a magnetic field like iron and steel is but does not tend to become magnetized itself and uh, says uh, the other question is how lodestones get magnetized says the earth's magnetic field is one half goths which is too weak to magnetize a lodestone by itself the leading theory is that lodestones are magnetized by the strong magnetic field surrounding lightning bolts and this is supported by the observation that they are mostly found near the surface of the earth rather than buried at great depth how interesting is that that when it you know our our knowledge of magnets goes back to ancient people finding these naturally magnetized chunks of rock and learning about how you know they can do all these amazing things but to this day here we are in the year 2019 we still don't know how these things get magnetized and furthermore you know we can we can describe to you the properties of magnetism but that doesn't mean we can tell you exactly what magnetism is so there are many many mysteries surrounding magnetism and i have taken advantage of that on a number of occasions throughout my life in experiments of course one of the most popular experimental 
wands that I made. It's called the Forces of Nature wand, and it incorporates, among other things, two strong magnets that are forced together, even though you're forcing the opposing sides together to see what potential energy we might be able to tap into. So magnets are fascinating. Well, it may be that even though magnets are very, very common, there is something about understanding magnets and magnetism that could be the key that unlocks our understanding of the unified field theory and and how all, all this stuff works in tandem. Because if you had a unified field theory, then basically everything would click into place. We'd understand everything. It would be the ultimate solution and research would no no longer necessarily be uh, something we would pursue. It would just be teaching people what we learned. That's kind of like the ideal of a unified theory. Again, we'll get more into that in a minute. So let's get back to magnets in general. So I was watching a while back some videos by a guy who is a magnet researcher online. And he was illustrating this device that, uh, I don't know how new this is, but it's an invention called a ferrocell. And my uh, impression is that this was invented by a man in Pennsylvania, kind of an independent researcher. His website is ferrocell.us. That's spelled F-E-R-R-O. C-E-L-L dot U-S, ferrocell dot U-S. The ferrocell is a magnetic field viewer, but it's different than what you have probably seen before because usually when you've seen a magnetic field, and of course, by the way, you can't actually see a magnetic field. They are invisible. You can't touch them as a human being and feel anything you know it's like a ghost it's there but you can't see it now if you if you put a magnet under a piece of paper and sprinkle iron filings on it you can see how these kind of heavy clumsy iron filings will will sort of snap into certain areas and show you where these fields are that are emanating from the magnet Uh, And you can do this three-dimensionally. I mean, for years, I used to talk about the possible connection between ghosts and magnetism, uh, hence electromagnetism, by taking what was basically a a cylinder full of iron filings that had a tube going down the middle. And then I had a magnet, a big, long magnet shaped kind of like a capsule, and you would slip that into the middle of the tube and you could see all the iron filings three-dimensionally, you know, snap into place around it. So you can tell that, you know, uh, you're not just talking about a magnetic field in 2D. You can can actually see how it's affecting these filings. But again, that's a very crude, heavy way of trying to to view these fields. Um, The ferrocell is apparently a an invention that allows you to see the nuances of a magnetism uh, or or the nuances of a magnetic field uh, in a new way. So let me try to describe for you what what this looks like. It you can get different versions of it but the one I got it kinda looks like a big 
magnifying glass. Okay, so imagine that. You know, you've got like a big round section with glass, and then you have a handle on it. So it's like holding a big magnifying glass. It takes some batteries, and when you turn it on, there is a ring of lights, a ring of LED lights inside the the circular section so that this pane of glass lights up evenly 360 degrees. So imagine it's like having a magnifying glass where the glass is actually lit up by a ring of LEDs going all around it. It's it, That's kind of what it looks like. But this is not a magnifying glass. This is actually a flat piece of glass. To be, to be more accurate, it's two flat pieces of glass. And contained between these two planes of glass is what's called a ferrofluid. So to give you the actual uh, description from the website, and again, I know this is a little hard to envision perhaps, but that's okay because I posted pictures for you. Um, says the ferrocells methodology is based on transforming a black opaque liquid metal, which is ferrofluid, into a dispersed transparent layer less than 15 microns thick. Okay, I know you're like, whoa, whoa, whoa. You're, you've lost me there. Okay, so basically, when you look through the middle of this ring that has glass in it, it looks like it's clear. I mean, it just looks like you're looking through a clear piece of glass. You don't see anything there. But there actually is an extremely thin layer of fluid that is trapped between these two planes of glass. It's so thin, you cannot see it with your naked eyes. That's because it's less than 15 microns thick. What does that mean? A human hair is about 50 microns thick. 50, five zero. Human eyes cannot see anything that is less than 40 microns thick. So the layer of this ferrofluid between these two pieces of glass is 15, one five, fifth, less than 15 microns thick. It's, a, it's like it's almost not even there. And they say the layer is contained in a sealed and isolated environment. In this state, the fluid behaves more like a gas than a liquid. Okay. So, you got this thing that looks like a magnifying glass in your hand. You got the big circle of clear glass. You got the light that's 360 degrees around the, the rim. What do you do with this thing? Well, what you do is you either put it over top of a magnet or you can put a magnet on top of it. It doesn't really matter. But when you put this on top of a magnet, something amazing happens. It comes, the one I got, it came with a couple of different types of, of magnets. One of the magnets it came with was a little cube-shaped magnet, a little smaller than a die. So if you put that cube-shaped magnet down, 
and you put this ferrocell viewer over top of it, then gradually over the next like 30 seconds, you will see this image emerge that allows you to see the field around the magnet in a 3D holographic manner. To your eyes, it looks like that you are able to see the nuances of the magnetic field in a 3D holographic way. Now, exactly optically why it does this, you know, I don't want to get into that. But it gives you an enormous amount of of clarity, never before possible, uh, to, to see not only the subtleties of the magnetic field, but you have to, to, to realize that what you're actually seeing is how the light around this thing is interacting with those field patterns in this extremely, extremely slight amount of ferrofluid. So what you're really looking at is is the closest thing you're going to get to how light is interacting with these magnetic fields. And so, again, you can imagine, you take something like a bag of iron filings that weighs a ton. You know, you got to shove a pretty good-sized magnet in the middle of that in order to get, you know, some type of, a, of an image. This is the opposite. This is a very, very delicate system. And so when you put a cube magnet underneath the, the, the ferro cell and you look at it and right now I am uh, I am looking at images because I want to share this with you as accurately as possible okay when you look at the cube magnet through this viewer you see a spiral basically you see a three-dimensional spiral that is um, is emanating from this cube magnet from one side to the other. It looks like the appendages of a vortex or a galaxy. That's what it looks like. And right in the middle of the magnet is a black hole. You know, I don't. I'm not at this point. I'm not saying that it looks like a like a quote unquote black hole like you find in outer space. But I'm telling you, there's just a black hole in the middle of the magnet where nothing where the light will not pass. It also came with a ring shaped magnet, and if you put the ring shaped magnet on top of the viewer, well, then once again you see this very interesting spiral and guess what's directly in the middle? A black hole. If you go to my Twitter account, at Joshua P. Warren, or if you go to joshuapwarren.com and click the link to my Twitter account, you'll see the first image that I posted for you actually has three, three pictures. One on the left is just a picture of this viewer so you know what it looks like. The picture in the middle shows you what the cube-shaped magnet looks like when it's under the viewer, and the one on the right shows you what 
the image created by the ring-shaped magnet looks like when it's on top of the viewer. You'll see that these two magnets, regardless of the pattern that the fields create and how light travels around, they both have a black hole in the middle. And guess what, folks? Listen to this. Turns out every single magnet, when viewed with this level of detail, every single magnet has a black hole in the middle. Every single one. So, for example, uh, you know, I mentioned I was watching a video where uh, one of these researchers was looking into magnetism. He took out a giant, like, $1,000 magnet that is shaped like a coin about the size of a dinner plate, you know, like a big disc, big heavy disc. And he said, watch this. And he took a small magnet and put it on a string. And then he held that small magnet over top of the big magnet. And what you would find is that the small magnet, yeah, it was immediately attracted to the big magnet, but only to the edges. You could never get it to go to the center. It would always snap to the outside, to the outside. Never would it land in the middle. And... He was saying, well, it may be that, you know, you have to think of magnets as being sort of like vortexes. Vortexes that are are swirling where the, the actual force that you're going to get is on the outside. In the middle, that's a, that's a hole. There's nothing there. And that, in fact, um, it's like a hurricane. You know, we, we talk about the power of a hurricane, but actually the eye of the hurricane doesn't have anything happening. That's the peaceful spot in the middle where there's nothing. The force is what's swirling around the eye. And so when we think of magnetism, perhaps we have been focusing too much on uh, the the forces that are that are swirling around the outside of the magnet that the middle of the magnet itself is kind of like you know it's kind of like some sort of a a vacant spot where not even light can appear so here's what I did I decided to create another image for you I zoomed in on the black hole that is visible in the middle of this cube magnet. I could have done it with any magnet, but I zoomed in on that and then I put it next to a picture of the image of the black hole that was captured and released earlier this year. And I'll be damned if they don't look a heck of a lot alike. As a matter of fact, I'm, I'm looking right now. Now, this is the second image that I've posted for you. And again, I'm sorry if I'm losing some of you on this. I don't, you know, like, because it's hard to describe this stuff. If, if you could see it, 
it'd be easier for you. In the second picture that I posted for you, it also has three images in it. The image on the left is a picture of the cube magnet just sitting there on its own. The picture in the middle shows the black hole that appears in the middle of the cube magnet. And the one on the right shows the picture of the black hole out there in outer space that was released earlier this year. And you ha I mean, you have to admit, they look a hell of a lot alike. They look very, very similar, especially when you consider how far away the, the black hole was off in outer space. I forget now how, long, how far away that was, but it was a hell of a long ways off. So here is what I'm getting at. When you look at a magnet, okay, when, when you look at a magnet and you see, you know, using this ferrocell technology and you see that every magnet has a hole, a, a dark spot, if you will, right there in the middle that looks amazingly like a black hole out in outer space. Is it possible that we're really just talking about the same thing? And this gets back to the challenge of a unified theory. Because right now, mainstream scientists are saying, well, we have four different fundamental forces in nature. Now, I've talked about this before on this podcast. Let's see if you remember them. What are the four fundamental forces, they say? I'm going to give you a second. Can you remember? Okay, here they are. One is gravity. Two is electromagnetism. Three is the weak force, which is the, they call it the weak nuclear force. And then the fourth is the strong nuclear force. Scientists call these fundamental because they supposedly cannot be reduced to anything simpler. And yet, and yet, we know this can't be correct. We know this cannot be right. Because we live in a universe. Everything works together in some kind of harmony. So this cannot be correct. There cannot be a separation of forces. And so maybe the reason that we have this perception of separation of forces is because that scientists are fragmented. A scientist specializes in one particular area, one particular point of view, one particular field, and tries to define things from that perspective. So that's why you may have a brilliant biologist who doesn't understand anything about physics and a brilliant physicist who doesn't understand anything about chemistry and a brilliant chemist who doesn't understand anything about astronomy. They each are interpreting things from that person's individual point of view and what we're lacking here is a comprehensive view that takes all of it into account and realizes we're talking about different manifestations of the same thing. So it really could be like saying we are looking at, uh, well, we're looking at three different phenomena, liquid water, ice, 
and steam. Three, three different fundamental forces, liquid water, ice, and steam, without realizing, well, they're all the same thing. They're all water, just in different states. You, know, you can be a liquid water expert, and the next person can be an ice expert, and the next person could be a steam expert, and they each have a PhD in their field, but they might not be able to sit down and put it all together and see how it relates to a larger point of view. And when you see something like what I am showing you here, and, and again, you know, I'm not saying I'm the first person to to point out this, you know, I'm I, I maybe I'm I, I maybe I'm the first person to actually show how one of these looks like a black hole in space. I mean, I may be the first person to do that, but other people have realized, like, you know, this fundamental separation of forces, it, it can't it can't be right. Because everything works together harmoniously. We are just too fragmented from our particular points of view. It reminds me of my research at Brown Mountain, Brown Mountain Lights. You know, when I first got involved at Brown Mountain, I thought it was interesting that all we really have here are these mysterious lights that appear on the side of a mountain. You ask somebody who believes in ghosts, what are these? The person says, well, these are spirits of Native American warriors. You ask somebody who's into UFOs, they say, well, this is uh, the mother ship landing base here. You ask a physicist, he'll talk about plasmas. You ask a geologist, he'll talk about piezoelectricity. You ask a chemist, he'll talk about swamp gas. You talk to an astronomer, he'll talk about optical illusions. People have a tendency, and it's an understandable tendency, to be so sort of, you know, egocentric and perspective-oriented that they always try to interpret something that's unknown by connecting it to the things that he or she is personally familiar with, that person's particular area of expertise. And sometimes you have to connect the dots and look at a bigger picture. And it may very well be that in the same way that a black hole out there in outer space is a portal to another universe or another reality or whatever, every single magnet is also one. But it may go even smaller than that. Maybe every single atom is one, which is why we have these particles that appear to pop in and out of, quote, reality and measurement, these subatomic particles, that we are having to face the fact that no matter how big it is or how small it is or how strong it is or how weak it is, we are one side, at least one side, of a coin. And there's another side. We are overlaid with another reality. Your consciousness cannot be seen in this reality because your consciousness is actually in that other place, on the other side of the black hole. And that's why in my book, The Secret Wisdom of Kukulkan, I talk about the wormhole brain, meaning that there is some little tiny spot in the middle of the the seat of your consciousness which is connecting you between this plane and that plane and tying the two together the wormhole brain if you haven't read the secret wisdom of kukulkan you can do so easily you can download it as a uh, a pdf ebook for i think nine dollars and 95 cents if you go to joshua p 
joshuapwarren.com. There's no period after the P. joshuapwarren.com and visit the Curiosity Shop, The Secret Wisdom of Kukulkan. And so, wouldn't that be something if we say, you know, we've always talked about, well, maybe a wormhole gives us the key to traveling from point A to B in the universe instantly, or possibly even traveling through time. You hear, you know, mainstream physicists and astrophysicists cosmologists they're always talking about maybe a wormhole which you know one end of the wormhole would uh, would be a black hole basically this is like a tunnel that could connect us to time and space in these various different ways well what if as above so below a wormhole a black hole out there in space is no different than what we get with a little magnet so does that mean that we might be able to take magnets and work with them and assemble them in a certain strategic way in order to create the effect that we see when we look at wormholes and black holes? So that, you know, like for example, maybe I could take Ron Heath's DT meter and start experimenting with some magnetically oriented chambers to see if I can get time anomalies around these magnetic anomalies or magnetic influences. Now, granted, it'd be a little challenging because you don't want to create a field that's going to manipulate the electronics themselves or themselves. But um, what if gravity electricity, magnetism, the weak nuclear, the strong nuclear, what if they aren't different? What if they are all parts of the same thing? And you can study a black hole by studying a magnet with the right tools without having to go out there (laughs) to outer space and study things there. I think you get the point. If not, I'm sorry if I have bored you. But if you go, once again, to my Twitter page, at Joshua P. Warren, you'll see I've posted these two images for you. I just want to repeat. The first one is a picture of... Well, each picture has three images in it. It's like a composite. The first one on the left shows you this viewer called the Cell. Again, the website, if you want to check it out, ferrocell.us. F-E-R-R-O, ferrocell.us. You'll see the viewer on the left side. In the middle, you'll see what a two-dimensional view of the field that you get when light is interacting around the uh, cube magnet. And, of course, if you, were, if you were right there beside me, this would look 3D and holographic to you. And then in the, the third one, you'll see the field inside of a ring-shaped magnet. The second image also has three pictures. Left side you have a picture of just the cube-shaped magnet and then we have a zoom in the middle showing the the dark spot, the black hole in the middle of the magnet when viewed with the ferrocell. And then lastly you'll see the picture of the black hole that was released earlier this year and you'll see why I think, huh, 
they sure look a lot alike, don't they? Interesting. So think about that. A grand unification theory of some kind. Well, listen, I have been getting a ton of feedback over this past month, over the past 30 days. You know, I, I have done a lot of media appearances. I was on Coast to Coast AM, Beyond Reality. I was on Richard Surratt's Conspiracy Show, uh, Chris Fleming's podcast, Karen Reese's TV show in New York, and of course, uh, Beyond Belief with George Norrie. Uh, I have gotten so much amazing feedback. In fact, if you go, and I, I also have a link to um, this hour or so I did with George Nori on Beyond Belief. This is my third appearance there. If you go there, people get to rate whether they like this or not. And uh, as of right now, 92% of the people have said that they like this. So that's pretty huge on the internet. I went and I looked at the um, the comments, and because you, you always cringe, like uh, you know how people are on the internet, they're just going to say the nastiest stuff, right? And uh, so I bring up the com- all the comments are positive, every single one. Listen to this one, the first one I saw: Mister Warren is a beautiful soul. He is a brilliant one. He is a genius scientist. I said, "Wow, I am printing that." on a t-shirt for Lauren. We're going to make her wear that. And every time we get into an argument, I'll say, hey, hey, toots. Don't forget who you're talking to. Brilliant, beautiful, genius scientist here. Got to remember that one. But let me tell you about some of the emails that I've been getting from people. And by the way, if you ordered a product through my uh, curiosity shop, it is on the way if you haven't gotten it. We are... Whew, we have been slammed. Man, we've been slammed. But we're doing our best. Listen to this. Uh, this is an email I got from Amy in Kansas. She says, Greetings, Joshua. I was ruminating on gratitude and enlightenment today and thought of you. How your podcast have genuinely changed my perceptions of the cosmos and what is possible. Thank you for your work. It's meant a lot to me, and I always look forward to the new woo that you always bring. I hope to attend one of your Vegas events this year. It's on my bucket list. Keep curious, friend. Well, thank you, Amy. That means a lot to me. You know I will. You know I will stay curious. You too. Can't wait to uh, to meet you one way or another. It's always nice, you know, when I do these podcasts to um, have it sort of clarified like, yeah, there are real people who are listening to this and getting something out of it. Uh, here's an email from Kia. Hi, Joshua. You are blowing my mind. I've known about you for a while, but I'm watching your new episode with George, this George Nori, and you are bringing everything together from me and putting it all in one neat little box. You don't know how much I've been needing that because I've been trying to pinpoint or fine-tune everything I am learning and everything I'm experiencing into one kind of funnel and share it with others who enjoy art and music as I do. My biggest areas of interest are sound healing, dimensional changes that happen for individuals while doing art, 
energy, the power of thought, manifesting, the power of images, as in sigils and crop circles and sacred geometry. Uh, Because this is so exciting, and I believe necessary right now, I've been looking for a way to expand these messages to others through art geared towards people at music festivals. But I was really at a loss as to how to practically do that and go beyond. And she said, I need something bigger. I'm really excited. I don't know exactly where I'm going, but one of the questions that, that you said uh, that came up, you, you said with George, you're giving away these sigils for karmic reasons. So I wondered if I can add these sigils into my art yeah, blah blah blah. Okay, so listen. I told her absolutely. You know that's true. If you if you haven't seen the interview that I did with George, go to my Twitter account and and find the link to it at Gaia TV. You can sign up and get a free trial. It, and I'm telling you, you you need to do it. I've I've been a subscriber to Gaia for a long time. And you'll see why people are are really enjoying this. At very least, you can go and watch the preview for this. And, you know, I told her, Kia, you know, that, you get it, you know, like, you you understand what I'm doing, we're on the same wavelength, yes. You are welcome to use these sigils. Uh, I'd appreciate if you just give me a credit, you know, just say, this is from JoshuaPWarren.com, that's all you have to do. And that goes for any of you listening to this, as long as you give credit to JoshuaPWarren.com, you can use these sigils. You can incorporate them into art and other projects however you want. I created them as something to be experimental and beneficial to those of us who, who sort of get it and want to work with it. So, Kia, that means a lot also to me that you, you're connecting with it. And I can't wait to see more examples of the art you produce. She actually sent me one example already of a piece of artwork that she's done that has one of the sigils in it and it looks really cool um at, at some point with her permission i'll uh, i'll share more of her images with you listen to this email i got from a listener named matt he says josh i am just writing to tell you the amazing luck i have had with the money sigil i heard you on coast to coast and decided there was no harm in trying it out at that point i had almost blown through Another, account trading stock options. I started staring at the sigil and printed off a copy. Well, in the two weeks, I managed to recover some of my account as it grew slowly for five or six trading days, with only the sixth day occurring a small loss. And yesterday, I planned a trip to the casino. I started uh, staring at the sigil um, for brief periods of time, and on the drive there, I periodically glanced down at the picture I was carrying with me. Luck hit! Three exclamation points. He says, my first big win was $240 on a dollar slot machine. After that, I managed several small wins, and rarely would I spend more than 10 times without a hit. Finally, I was up about $300. I was going through my last $40 before I was going to call it a good day, and up to this point I was playing two credits at a time, but for the last six, instead of playing two, I decided to play three credits, and on my last three credit spin, I won a $1,350 jackpot. 
I have never had that kind of luck before. I don't know how you made this money sigil or anything about it, but this would lead me to believe there's something to it. And I continue to experiment with I will plan to continue to experiment with it. Thanks for putting that charm up. Well, Matt, you're very welcome. That's what it's there for. And you wouldn't believe how many messages like yours that I receive on a daily basis. And let me remind all of you listening, like Matt says, you got nothing to lose. It's free. It's an experiment. You just go to joshuapwarren.com. You can scroll down the homepage there. You'll find a small section of some sigils, but you'll find a yellow link there you can click that will take you to a larger page of sigils and give you updates. Also, if you just go to joshuapwarren.com and you click the link to the Curiosity Shop, then you can scroll down and find the $100 bill sigil. That's been very effective for a lot of people as well. So keep those uh, cool messages coming in. I really appreciate it. It does mean a lot. And uh, I just want you to know that I I have so many projects going on right now. Uh, the rest of the year is looking pretty chaotic. It looks like I'm going to be traveling next month working on... Um, one of the upcoming TV projects that I've signed on for. I even got contacted the other day from a major network asking me about hosting an entire TV series. And so, you know, it sounds like a cool opportunity, but that takes up a lot of time. And I'm, you know, we're going to, we're going to discuss that more and see, but I have a lot of TV stuff going on right now, which is cool. But again, it, it's a lot of work when you do that. I mean, you're talking about long, long, exhausting days when you're shooting something like a whole TV series. And plus, I have many experiments that I'm going to be telling you about on this podcast and otherwise soon. You know I still have this grandiose experiment that I'm going to be doing at a very haunted location sometime this year. You're definitely going to want to participate with that one. I haven't given out the details on that yet. Listen to this. Here's a, here's a simple experiment that uh, you might want to to do along with me. Um, one of my friends, of course, is Grandmaster Tom Cameron, who is the martial artist in Chicago. I've known him for many, many years. Been on TV with him. Uh, we were on Stan Lee's Superhumans together on the History Channel. And... Um, he, you know, Tom Cameron is the guy who does these kind of controversial demonstrations where he appears to project some kind of an energy field and knocks people down without actually physically touching them, like some kind of a Jedi master in Star Wars. And I remember him telling me years ago about experimenting with using his chi and being inspired by people like um, uh, the, the the fellow who came up with primary perception who, oh, Cleve Baxter, there you go, Cleve Baxter, who who was uh, getting signals from plants, you know, like, sort of conscious-like signals from plants, something I touched upon in my last podcast, Cleve Baxter, primary perception, basically, Tom Cameron would take things like different kinds of bacteria and do experiments with his students, where he would project love toward one and hate hate toward another and see a dramatic difference after a few weeks or a few months and how you know what was inside the jar um, a lot of people compare this to the work of Dr. Masaru Emoto who I actually interviewed 
on my radio show, Speaking of Strange, with the assistance of a Japanese translator. If you don't know who Masaru Emoto was, uh, he uh, is featured in the movie What the Bleep Do We Know? And he would take water and he would say positive things to one water sample and negative things to another and then freeze them and obtain slices of them. And some of the slices that had positive messages looked like beautiful little you know, snowflakes and the ones that had negative messages looked all screwed up and, you know, dirty and deformed and everything. So I recently uh, was at one of the uh, Creepy Vegas ghost and UFO shows that, of course, I produce here in Las Vegas. And uh, I met a man who is a big fan. I won't give his name out without his permission, but uh, he sent me some videos and one of the videos he sent me shows a very basic experiment where a guy is doing something similar using rice. He just gets some Uncle Ben's rice and three airtight containers, glass containers, and he puts a label on each container. One label says love. The other says hate. And the last one says ignore. So he cooks up the Uncle Ben's rice, puts a big scoop in each container, seals it up. And then he puts them in the same type of environment. And then on a daily basis, or as often as he can, over the next two months, he'll take the container that says love, and he'll take it down and he'll say all kinds of wonderful, kind, positive, encouraging things to it. And then he'll take down the one that says hate, and he will say terrible things to it. Ah, you disgust me. Uh, You're horrible. I hope you die. I hope you go to hell. All the and then he just wouldn't do anything with the one that says ignore and what he found was that at the end of this experiment if you know according to his video the one that he was giving love to looked just as healthy and fresh as the day he put it in the jar the one he was giving negativity to looked terrible it was just eat up with uh various types of you know rot and fungus and all this and uh then then the third one was you know, it didn't look that great, but so anyway, I was like, you know, this is a simple thing to do. What the hell? I'm going to do it. So sure enough, I have these three airtight glass jars. They're already labeled love, hate, ignore. I've got the Uncle Ben's rice, and I think that probably tomorrow we're going to cook this rice up. I'm going to put it in there, and uh, I'm going to do this for two months. I'll photograph everything as it looks when I put it in there. And then we'll see in two months what it looks like. But, you know, it's such a simple experiment. I was thinking, maybe I should tell you about this because you might want to do this kind of along with me. We we don't have to be on the exact same schedule. But, you know, this week is when I'm going to start this up. And and this may not be the the, the best possible time because, again, I'm probably going to have to travel in the midst of this for for a while. But anyway, um, I can't get around that. So... uh, if you want to participate, go ahead. Get get yourself some rice. Get three containers. Again, love on one, hate on one, ignore on one, and let's just see. Let's just see what happens. But getting back to Creepy Vegas, you know, uh, Creepy Vegas is one of those things that it's getting bigger and better and more amazing all the time. Not only do we now have the, uh, for a limited time, a piece of the Roswell debris, but I also have 
some ghost holograms that I purchased. Yeah, ghost holograms that are going to be incorporated into the show. How kick-ass is that? You know, we're getting better and better so that when you come to Las Vegas, your experience is really going to live up to Las Vegas standards. But the schedule that we're on, it's, it's a little inconsistent. So if you want to experience Creepy Vegas, and I'm thinking about raising the price on this soon. Right now, it's only $19.95. But if you go to creepyvegas.com, you can make your reservation. Right now, we're doing them on Saturdays at 7 p.m. in downtown Vegas. $19.95. But uh, if you are going to be in Vegas and it's not on a Saturday, that's okay. You'll find an email address there at Creepy Vegas. You can email me and we'll do our best to see if we can accommodate you if you're going to be around on a different night because we do have special occasions when we can do that for you as well. But you've got to go do it now. CreepyVegas.com C-R-E-E-P-Y CreepyVegas.com All right, well, I hope you've enjoyed this podcast. wanted to catch you up on quite a few things. It'll probably be another day or two before I can leave another one for you. But there is a lot going on. It's a very busy time. It's all extremely exciting. So make sure you go to joshuapwarren.com. Make sure you subscribe to my free e-newsletter there so you get breaking news and experiments and developments as soon as they're available. Check out the Curiosity Shop and click the link to this podcast called Joshua P. Warren Daily. You can subscribe through various means or just follow me on Twitter at Joshua P. Warren, at Joshua P. Warren. It's always short, always free, always commercial-free, independent, uncensored. I hope you will tell your friends and loved ones about it. So, thank you for listening. Thank you for your interest and support. Thank you for staying curious. And I will talk to you again soon.